50%, at least 50% of all your grandchildren will become, probably 70%, your precious little grandkid will become addicted to pornography. A precious little granddaughter. Everybody loves so much. They homeschool. Oh, yeah, we homeschool. They don't have a cell phone. No. 50 to 70% of your grandchildren will become addicted to pornography. Those words were spoken by Josh McDowell at the 2016 Legacy Grandparenting Summit, a dire prediction about the impact and influence of pornography on our grandchildren. Josh unpacked that concept quite a bit more when he appeared at our 2019 conference a couple of years later. But in 2016, he gave all of us grandparents some very helpful and important principles for staying connected with our grandkids and influencing them for Christ. We're going to hear those principles in just a moment. But first, welcome to Legacy Grandparenting, everybody. This is the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. I am Wayne Rice, Conference Director for the Legacy Coalition, and I'm joined once again by our Legacy Coalition founder and CEO, Larry Fowler, and also by John Colomb, Director of Development for the Legacy Coalition. Hi, guys. Hello again. Hi, Wayne. It's good to do it with you again. Josh McDowell is a familiar name to those of us who've been uh, doing student ministry for the past 50 years. Larry, John, uh, do you have uh, any kinds of uh, recollections of your first encounter with Josh's ministry? Well, I met Josh right after he had uh, graduated from Talbot Seminary, and and they had him come back to speak in chapel. And he was he was very colorful even at that point. I mean, I think if you know, oh, his red shoes, his belt buckles, and he's he's one of a kind. But he was. Um, Right out of the chute, uh, Josh was full of life and adventure and courage, I think, and speaking to the issues of our day. Um, yeah, he, he's been a voice right from the very beginning. Well, my involvement with him really was from afar. I mean, I held him in such high regard because of his book, Evidence Demands a Verdict. Uh, Evidence Demands a Verdict. I think I just poured through that book and I know I taught it to my youth group when I was a young youth pastor and uh, really, really appreciated that. And then his book, More Than a Carpenter, both of those books were so influential for me in really being able to come up with the um, the evidence behind our faith. Yeah, my my first encounter with, uh, with Josh McDowell was uh, when I was still in college. It was uh, uh, 50 years ago. I was at San Diego State University and I was working with uh, Youth for Christ at the time. and um, and I saw some posters, some advertisements for a, a campus crusade event that was being held right there on the campus of San Diego State University. It was there in the Aztec Bowl. They were going to do a big rally. And, of course, back in the 60s, uh, it was easy to uh, to get students to come out for any kind of a big uh, uh, gathering, a rally, or a protest, or anything of, the, of that nature. And so... Uh, there were quite a few students there, and uh, Josh McDowell was the speaker. He got up to speak. It was my first time ever hearing him, and I have to say I was really impressed. I remember uh, just seeing this incredibly uh, articulate, funny, uh, energetic speaker uh, uh, just preaching about Jesus uh, there in the middle of San Diego State, and I thought, this this guy's good. <laughs> I I didn't get to meet Josh on that occasion. Uh, in fact, it was several years later, but uh, 
But over the years, I've had a number of opportunities to work with Josh and uh, also to get to know him personally. He's a great guy and uh, has always been a passionate speaker, uh, the leader of all kinds of uh, movements that he started, the Why Wait campaign, the Campus Crusade was behind, uh, the Right and Wrong campaign, so many other things that he has uh, been involved with. And uh, when he heard about uh, the Legacy Coalition and what we were trying to do, uh, he was all in. He's got a bunch of grandkids, and so he was very excited to get behind uh, the Legacy Coalition and to be a part of our first Legacy Grandparenting Summit back in 2016. Mm-hmm. I've been uh, very encouraged to have uh, the support of Josh McCall. Yeah, in fact, I have a story from that very first conference, Wayne, <laughs> when he spoke, uh, spoke the words that you're sharing in this in this podcast. After the conference was over, uh, we were all staying at the same hotel, staff and speakers, and I went down to breakfast the morning after the conference, and there's Josh McDowell sitting and having breakfast with uh, Jay Kessler, who, you know, was a president of Taylor University and before that, Youth for Christ. And so both of these guys, in my estimation, are the giants of faith, you know. <laughs> and I, I, I have never met them before this conference, and and I've just held them in some high regard. I've told the people. Me walking up to talk to them at breakfast would be kind of like a Catholic going up to say hi to the Pope. You know, I just uh, felt um, really kind of overwhelmed that they were there. But I walked up there and uh, Dr. Kessler said to me, he said, Larry, this was a historic conference. And and Josh just chimed right in. He said, yeah, he said, I believe that someday this will be bigger (laughs) than Promise Keepers. He was predicting Mm-hmm. that there would be a national movement of grandparenting. And now it's five years mm-hmm. later, and you know what? The movement is happening. It is yeah. happening. There are thousands and thousands of grandparents exactly. joining. I appreciated those words from Josh. Yeah, well, let me uh, uh, just introduce Josh, and then we'll uh, discuss, we'll talk about what he has to say. But, uh, of course, Josh is best known as a speaker and author of the best-selling book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Uh, he got his education at uh, first at Kellogg Community College. You know, he tells the story sometimes about how when he started studying, you know, he was actually studying to disprove the existence of God. But in his studies, he, he the more he studied, the more he became convinced uh, that uh, not only was there a God, but uh, but that the Christian faith was... Uh, uh, the truth. And so as he continued to study and he went on to Biola College, he then he went to Wheaton College and then went to uh, Talbot Theological Seminary where he graduated magna cum laude. I, I graduated is, uh, laude. How come? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> yeah, same here. But uh but uh, anyway, Josh graduated with uh, honors. He joined the staff of Campus Crusade for Christ in 1961. And uh, not long after that, he started the Josh McDowell Ministry to reach young people worldwide with the gospel. His ministry uh, today is still associated with uh, with Campus Crusade, or CREW, as it's known today. Uh, just some numbers here. Josh has spoken to more than 45 million people 
giving over 27,000 talks in 125 countries. He has written or co-authored 145 books published in over 100 languages. Um, that book you mentioned, Larry, um, his More Than a Carpenter book has sold over 25 million copies. Can you imagine being responsible for keeping track of all that? <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully the publishers are keeping track and uh, paying you something for all of that. But uh, more than that, uh, you know, Josh is a dedicated uh, father and grandfather. He and his wife, Dottie, have uh, four kids and 10 grandchildren. You know, Josh has this condo down in uh, Mexico. It's it's just down uh, uh, midway between Tijuana and uh, Ensenada. It's a really neat place. But uh, he's very generous and has loaned it to us more than once. So my wife and I have gone down to Josh's condo and stayed there. And uh, the scenery, you know, outside is beautiful because it's right on the water and everything. But inside... The house is just plastered with pictures of Josh, Josh's grandkids. It's really, I knew right away, you know, when we uh, be, got involved with the Legacy Coalition, that Josh was going to be a guy who would really be interested in this yeah. because uh, he is a grandpa. Well, here is Josh McDowell speaking uh, the first time he was with us at the Legacy Grandparenting Summit uh, in Frisco, Texas. Josh McDowell. Good morning. This is history. In 55 years, 34,000 talks, I've never spoken to a conference on grandparenting. I'm sure, I don't think anyone else ever has either. And so this is history. We have a short time together, and oh, I want to make it count because I love grandkids. So I want to share with you seven simple principles. And I know they work. There's no guarantee. And parent, don't let any of these people say, raise your children God's way. Yeah, come on. Half the people in the scripture had lousy families. <laughs> you can be the greatest parent in the world, and there's no guarantee. But if you do practice the right principles, the chance of that happening is rare. But even the finest parent or grandparent in the world, it can be a disaster. Because every child has their free will. So the seven A's, you can go on my website. It's josh.org forward slash seven A's. You can download it all free. In fact, we have about 18 pages of the seven A's written out, what happens in a child's life, and then stories from my wife with our children and grandkids. So seven A's are building a relationship that transforms. A relationship where they'll listen to you when you speak about values, when you speak about truth. They'll listen to you. First is affirmation. Affirmation. When we affirm a child's emotions, we give them a sense of authenticity, of auth that I'm okay, I know I feel this way, of authenticity. In Romans 12, 15, in most translations, it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. The New Living Translation really nails it when it says this. Rejoice with those who rejoice means this. When others are happy, be happy with them. Weep with those who weep. If they are sad, share their sorrow. Share their sorrow. Oh, how I wish I'd learned this principle before I ever got married and had children. Thank God I know it now that I have 10 grandchildren. 
My daughter was in medical school. Man, they work. They leave 4.30 in the morning, come back late at night. One night, for two nights, she was studying. I said, honey, you got a tough test? She said, the hardest test, they said, in, in all the years in medical school. So I prayed with her, got up the next morning at 4.30, walked her out to the car. So I walked away. I said, by the way, honey, what time is that uh, exam? She said, 9 o'clock. I said, look, as soon as it's done, call me. I want to know how it goes. But daddy, you'll be speaking. That's okay. I'll put my phone on vibration. So I was back in San Bernardino, I was speaking about, about 500 corporate executive CEOs, and my phone buzzes, and I said, excuse me, folks, but it's my daughter, and she needs her daddy's attention. I picked it up, and I said, honey, how did it go? She said, daddy, I got a 98. Now, normally, I would have acted this way. That's wonderful, honey, but I'm speaking right now. I'll talk to you when I get home. The Bible doesn't say if somebody is happy, talk to them when they get home. <laughs> it says if somebody is happy, hemorrhage. And so right there in front of all these CEOs, it's probably the only thing to remember my talk. I said, honey, that's wonderful. I'm so excited for you. Your mom would be so happy. You work so hard. I love you, honey. Almost every exam after that, she called me. Why? I was affirming her emotion at that time. That's what is building a bridge. Affirm that child's emotion. It's the same true with an employer, with employees. Same principle. With a teacher in the classroom, it's the same principle. Then second, acceptance. With unconditional acceptance, a child gains a sense of security. I am secure. In Romans 15, 7, it says, So accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. How did he accept us? By faith. Unconditionally, by faith. The same way we would accept our children and our grandchildren unconditionally. How does that work out? My son was playing baseball and an outstanding player at about 10, 11 years old. So I took 15 coupons down to the coach. And I said, these are for the kids. He said, great, I'll give them to them after our first win. I said, no, give them to them after their first loss. He said, why? I said, coach, I don't know about you. have been raising my children. I do not want to acknowledge their success. I don't as much as I acknowledged their effort. I said, coach, my son was created in the image of God with infinite value, dignity, and worth. And if he never plays an inning of baseball his whole life, it will never affect my love and acceptance of my child. Coach looked at me and said, that's weird. <laughs> they lost the third or fourth game. I know what happened. His son came home and told me. He said, all the players down the grass in the infield handed out these coupons for ice cream Sundays, and told our entire conversation. He wasn't a believer. I didn't expect him to do that. In the next two or three days, three of the teammates said something like this. Now listen what this does to a kid. Thanks a lot, Mr. McDowell, for the ice cream Sundays. Wow, it doesn't matter to you if we win or lose. You love us anyway. That's what I want to communicate to my grandkids and my own kids. I don't know how many times my grandchildren, Shauna, you are great in gymnastics. I so enjoyed being at your meet. But honey, I want you to know something. As your grandpa, I don't love and accept you because you're so good in gymnastics. I love and accept you because you're my granddaughter, created in the image of God with infinite value, dignity, and worth. And if you never had any gymnastics, it would not affect my love and acceptance of you. And I've learned one thing. Your children, your grandchildren will rise to the level of your opinion of them. Oh, is that key. Unconditional. I don't know how many times my kids, my grandkids, have heard, 
You're creating the image of God with infinite value, dignity, and worth. Ingrained within them. Then third, appreciation. Oh, this is the most fun one. When we express appreciation, it says one thing. I am significant. Most kids, most Christians never grow up and they never feel significant. Now, what is significance? Now, listen carefully. Significance is that feeling or thought that you have done something worthwhile. Are you with me? It's that feeling or thought, I have done something worthwhile. How do you express that to someone? Appreciation. Do you realize, whenever you say to your granddaughter I, or grandson, I appreciate what you did at school today. It says, I did something significant. And I'll tell you this, when a grandchild or child feels significant to you, they'll die for you. They'll die for you. Uh, express appreciation. Uh, here's my philosophy. In raising my first uh, four children, now my grandkids working with my kids, is that catch them doing something right and express appreciation. Most people catch them doing things wrong and discipline them. That's ridiculous. If that's what you do, not under the umbrella of catching them doing things right and express appreciation, it'll backfire. Thanks, Kelly, for putting your clothes in the hamper. Your mom will appreciate that. Sean, thanks for sweeping off the porch. I appreciate that. Now, would you do the other half? But catch them doing things right. Then, fourth, availability. Oh, when we are available to our children, to our grandchildren, to our employees, to our class, it says one thing, I am important. I am important. In uh, Matthew 19, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. Look, he's busy. He's doing God's work. Look, lady, get a number. That was Peter. Get a number. When Jesus heard that, what did Jesus do? He immediately interrupted him and he said, let the children come to me. Do not forsake the children to come unto me. It breaks my heart with my own children how many times I forsook my own children. Not now, Sean. I'm tired. Katie, tomorrow, I've got appointments today. Heather, when I get back from the trip, every time I say to my children, you are not as important as... Kids tie up, grandkids tie up, availability is I am important. This is why. Now, I've gotten criticism for this, but I don't care. I'd raise my four children again because I love the outcome. I taught my children they could interrupt me at any time. Didn't matter if I'm speaking. They did once with the President of the United States or anything. Doesn't matter. I want my children to understand that my grandkids are more important to me than anyone who walks the face of the earth. And how do I do it? I let them respectfully introduce me. Like so many parents, they'll be down in front talking, a father especially, talking to the pastor. And a boy or daughter comes, say, Daddy. Now, well, the mother twice with the dad, yeah, say it three or four times to get their attention. Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And then the father turns around and says something like, something so dumb. Can't you see I'm talking to the pastor? What a stupid statement. He's not deaf. He's not blind. 
But that's what most people say. Can't you see? Look, you go over there and sit down and be quiet. When I finish, I'll talk with you. Oh, never say that to a child. They can't process that. So you know what I would always do? I'd excuse myself to the pastor, whoever it was. I'd say, excuse me, my daughter needs her dad's attention. Give me a minute. What is it, honey? Look, an adult can process it a lot better than a child. You say, well, you ought to teach a child to be respectful. Well, don't do it disrespectfully. I was talking to the President of the United States. And I said, Daddy. And I stopped. And I said, excuse me, sir. But one of my family needs my attention. And I turned and said, what did you answer? Come and said, now where were we, sir? And um, a couple weeks later, I get a note from George Devy, and he said, thank you for what you said. It's where they bring all the candidates together. And then I spoke to him for an hour in uh, Iowa during the uh, primaries. And he said, you'll never know the impact you had. He said, I went out to my car, got in the car, told all my uh, security to stay outside, locked the doors, called my two daughters, and told them I loved them. I thought, wow. Even the President of the United States needs to see a father that puts his children, his grandchildren or wife, in priority. Catch them doing things right. It's so much fun, i got to tell you. And express appreciation. And then be available. And then after available, affection. Oh! When you display affection to a child, to an adult, it says to them, I am lovable. And I'll tell you this, every kid, they join gangs, everything else, to prove to themselves they're lovable. God raised, you know, gave our DNA that way, to know that we are lovable. And when we express affectation, two ways. One, verbally. My goal was that my kids heard me ten times a day. When I was on the phone, two or three times over the phone, I love you, I love you, or something to put it to that. And then second, to... uh, I usually didn't do it 10 times a day, sometimes one, sometimes 15. I've even gone to Ben and said, oh my gosh, I never told Katie I loved her today. So I'd get up, go over, and I'd lightly, she'd be asleep, kiss her and say, honey, I love you. We need to then express it also with appropriate physical expression, with a hug, with a kiss in the cheek, an arm around them, arm in their shoulder, an embrace, holding their hand. Kids are crying out for it. And the Bible says, love does not demand its own, but it says, I command you to love each other in the same way I have loved you. That's mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, loving our kids and our grandkids in the same way that God loved us. If you go back... Say, first of all, with your own children and your grandkids, and you haven't done this before, you go back, go into their room, take their earphones off, and say, I love you, and give them a hug, they'll probably vomit on the floor. <laughs> and they'll yell out, Mom, Grandma, something's wrong with Dad. And the kid's the one that threw up. you got to work up to it. It's best to start when they're born. But you got to work up to it. Kids are crying out. Over the years, I've spoken to more young people, almost 45 million now, than anyone ever dreamed of in history. And I don't think I've ever met a child, say a young man, who is not seeking the love and acceptance of his daddy. 
Even those that would say, I mean, so many say, I hate my dad. I never want to see him again. Pretty soon I'd tell them about the relationship with my son and how we love each other and what happens. Every, I cannot remember any time the kid didn't say, well, that's what I always wanted. There's nothing more powerful than the love of a dad or a grandpa. All research shows in the last five years it's more powerful than the love of a grandma or a mom because it's so unexpected to hear, I love you, a hug. And one of the great joys for me with my three daughters and my son, I can never remember ever hanging up the phone that my kids didn't say, like Sean yesterday, Dad, I love you. If I ever got depressed, I'd probably call up my kids just to hang up. <laughs> no, I'm serious. What that does to me. And how kind of conversation, I almost want to cut it short because I want to hear that. Dad, I love you. But if I hadn't expressed that to them all of the years, they would never have expressed that to me. And then approach their world. When we approach a child's world, oh, it gives them a sense of connection. It gives them a sense of what I like, my grandpa likes. What I like, my daddy likes. What I'm interested in, my daddy's interested in. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, love does not demand its own way. So what does it do? Demands the other way. Why do we always have to do what we want to do, go where we want to go, do what we want to do? Our kids are human, most of them. Why don't we step into their world? Why do we always have to rent the video we want to watch? Have the game on TV that we want to watch? It says if you truly love someone, you step into their world. In raising my children, uh, I always thought, what did I want to ever do And my dad, and he would never do it. He was always drunk. I mean, one thing was this. When my son was about 10, 11 years old, he got into cars. Oh, my gosh, everything was car. That's a Lamborghini. That's a Porsche, so-and-so, everything. So I thought, whew. So I wrote a letter. We lived in, in Julian, California, way up in the mountains out of San Diego. I wrote a letter to all the expensive car peoples in uh, Beverly Hills. Anyone could do that. I said, look, I'm a desperate dad. I'll do anything to spend time with my children. My son is really into cars. If I pull him out of school on such and such a date and bring him up, could you take him on a test drive? And I had a response card, everything, with a stamp, everything, and there was only a box that said yes. There was no box for no. <laughs> well, yeah. And I put it in the, this is what sold it. I put it in the letter. I want you to understand, I'm not interested in buying a car. I'm interested in being a hero to my son. Every one of them said that's what sold it to them. Said most dads that come up here, well, we're interested in buying a car. Could they? they said, no, right up front. I mean, pulled him out of school. We pull our kids out of school two months a year. I mean, I got some criticism for it, but I would do it. Hey, look, my first three were valedictorians, and that probably hasn't happened to too many families. And so it didn't hurt. And they always had their homework in first here. We'd be in China, and they'd be the first to have their homework in. And that was back for the computer, and you could do it today. But um, I pulled him out of school. We went up to Beverly Hills. Oh, it's one of the highlights of my life in raising Sean. He still talks about it. When, when he does parenting seminars, he said, one of the greatest gifts my parents gave me was they stepped into my life. And he tells about going up. He drove over a million and a half dollars worth of cars, or didn't drive, rode in over a million and a half dollars worth. They had big posters signed by drivers. They had candy. They had books. They had everything. 
for my son. We'd show up, and I'd say, we're looking. They always get this kind, and we're looking for so-and-so. Well, who are you? Josh McDowell. Oh, we've been waiting for you, the mechanic would say, or something else. It was a bit, because they said, we've never had another father do that, ever. Oh, my gosh, my son was in heaven. On the way home, mothers will say to me, some of you are thinking, what a horrible way to teach a child, uh, what, what do you call it, uh, how you use your money and everything else? What a horrible way teaching your child materialism. Oh, smarten up. I might be dumb, but I'm not stupid. (laughs) We had all these magazines. We took the center seat out of the van. My associate drove the car back home for two hours. And he said, son, which is your favorite car? Oh, this one, Dad. I said, now why? I said, well, this was mine here. It was a certain model Porsche. And then I said, son, let's look at this marvelous day together. Let's look at this in the light of God's love for us, what Christ did in the cross, our values as a family. I'll tell you, Mom, it was the greatest time of teaching biblical concept of materialism you could ever ask for. He became a hero back in school. I'd become a bum with the fathers. Oh, thanks a lot, McDowell. Now my son wants to go do it. And I just said, why don't you? I just booked for my two oldest grandkids, 12 and 10, with all my children. We spent a time in Chicago, and I'd be speaking there. And we'd spend one full day just seeing all the mechanized windows at Christmas. It's incredible on Michigan Avenue. The lights, everything. So I'm going there to do a wedding of a uh, Chinese couple. And uh, so I said, see if we can take Shauna and Scotty. They got so excited, called me on the phone. Grandpa, thank you. And so, December the 20th, we're spending the entire day on Michigan Avenue. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Those are the seven A's. The seventh one is this. Accountability. Accountability. In Romans 14, yes, each of us will have to give a personal account to God. One of the best ways I've found to prepare my children for that is to hold them accountable to me as their father. If we truly love a child, we will give them reasonable rules, reasonable limits, and then hold their nose to the grindstone. Now, you have to be careful as a grandparent. For the most part, we keep our mouths shut unless our children has given us permission. We don't raise our grandchildren. Our children do. We raise our children to raise our grandchildren. We keep our mouths shut, or you can do more damage than good. Now, I'm very fortunate. I know many of you are. My children all came to me and said, Dad, we want you to be involved in our children's lives. We just give you an open door. Help us raise our children. And this is why in two days or Sunday, I fly home for the longest I've been home in 54 years because I travel 300 days a year. But I'm going home for five weeks straight, one for a writing project, a major writing project on pornography because it's destroying us. It's destroying us. 50%, at least 50% of all your grandchildren will become, probably 70%, your precious little grandkid will become addicted to pornography. That precious little granddaughter. Everybody loves so much. They homeschool. Oh, yeah, we homeschool. They don't have a cell phone. No. 50 to 70% of your grandchildren will become addicted to pornography. But then, the main reason I'm taking this off 
to spend time with my grandchildren. I've got, if I don't map things out, things go by and I forget and I don't get it done. So I got it all mapped out first, what I'm going to do with my grandkids. First with Brenna, then with little Josh, and then with Rosie. And then with Shauna, and then with Scotty, and then with Shane. Shane is four years old, and my son Sean said to him, I raised my kids in the superheroes, and now my grandkids. I got this only Superman ring like this in the world with three diamond studs, everything. Usually I wear a Batman belt buckle because it reminds me that there's a woman at home with a bat if I dare to stray. <laughs> but, but my son said to my four-year-old grandson, Shane, said, Son, if Daddy had a fight with Captain America, do you think Daddy would win? Now, four years old. Absolutely not, Dad, but you would die with honor. <laughs> At four years old! That's the result of constant interaction with understanding concepts like that. But folks, we owe it to our children. And if our, our, our children give us permission with our grandchildren, that when they're with us and everything, to set limits, to set boundaries, Hold them responsible. But if you do that without a loving, intimate relationship, it will backfire on you. It'll create anger, bitterness, resentment. I would never discipline a child who did not know in the deepest part of their mind that my Papa Josh loves me. Because if my grandchildren didn't feel that, it would backfire. I just want to say to Wayne, the whole committee, everything, what a privilege to be here with you today because we all are in it together and we have a battle that we can win whether it's the internet pornography or what but we got to be wise and do it so thank you for this privilege of being a part of your life today god bless each one of you That was Josh McDowell with some timeless principles for grandparents, seven A's. He likes alliteration. A lot of preachers do, but uh, uh, but that that works. They're all A words. Uh, John, Larry, anything, any takeaways uh, as you listen to this, that talk again? Well, I'll start, and then, John, you can jump in right after me. Um, I think that the first one is really easy. <laughs> You know, affirmation is what he talked about. And I love to affirm my grandkids. And I'm guessing that most grandparents who are listening agree with me. That is kind of a no-brainer. It is so good to be able to affirm our grandkids. But the second one, acceptance, can be really tough, especially, you know, when your grandkids get to be teenagers or young adults and they start looking a way that you don't approve of or, you know, dressing a way you don't approve of or or uh, having a political point of view you don't approve of. And, and all of a sudden, that unconditional acceptance becomes a real, real challenge. And, uh, and, and yet, the unconditional acceptance for the person, not for all the activity, but the person of a grandkid is really, really helpful and important. Well, you know, I, a lot of things went through my mind as I was hearing these seven A's. Um, one of the things I thought about was in this area of acceptance, of course, as they get older and our grandkids are now ages 12 to 20, 
our oldest just came home with a tattoo. <laughs> and um, But it, it was Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. And I thought, okay, if he's going to be a marked man, that's a great way to be marked. And uh, those things you, you have to really evaluate. What is most important? You know, will I accept them no matter what? Because our kids are going to make choices all along the way. And do they feel comfortable in talking to me, showing to me, or will they be hiding those things? But another thing I was thinking about, Wayne and, and Larry, is one of the greatest ways we can show acceptance is to listen. And, and I'm finding that's hard for me because I've got so much to say and I have so many good things to share with them. <laughs> but to sit and listen and ask a question and then wait for them to ask me a question, uh, it you know it slows me down, but I need to accept them where they are and not I want to push them, but not beyond what would be comfortable. And uh, yeah, that was that was a great reminder of of uh, not being judgmental. And it's real easy these days, especially if you know they're representing us and they're in the church, and you know we've got our own <laughs> uh, reputation to protect. No, 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 no. Those kids are important, and and. Uh, and while I'm at it, I would just say that what he's, you know, making the kids a priority. When they call, you drop everything. And I, I think we all do that. We'd do anything for them. We'd go anywhere for them. We would give our life for them. And so uh, we need to give it while living in all of these seven A's. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as I listen to, uh, to Josh speak, I'm just reminded of uh, how... Uh, important it is to treat kids with dignity and respect. All of the uh, A words that Josh listed, affirmation, acceptance, uh, appreciation, affection, and so forth, uh, they really all have to do with communicating a message to our, our, our kids, our grandkids, that they are important to us, that we love them, that we care about them, that they're um, a special uh that they have all kinds of possibilities. Uh, I, I don't remember that he put it exactly this way, but but kids live up to the expectations that we have of them. And if we expect the best, they're more likely to live up to the best. Likewise, kids can will live down uh, to criticism, to negative comments, and kids get so much negative input from the culture from their friends, from uh, the, the the advertising out there, from so much of the uh, the pop culture stuff that's going on, they need to hear uh, positive input from people in their lives who care about them. And as grandparents, many times we're the only ones who provide that for them. Um, but this was all really, really good stuff from Josh McDowell. So I have a couple questions for John here. So, John, when you first found out your grandson got a tattoo, did the hair stand up on the back of your neck? No, it did when my son got his tattoo in the Marine Corps. (laughs) In fact, we... (laughs) Okay, you've already been down that road. And and we were uh, at the Dead Sea. He was with us. And when he took his shirt off, and I had all these older folks with me, uh, I slapped some mud on his back, and some of the older ladies saw it before I did, and they said, oh, Tim, that is beautiful. <laughs> I thought, uh, <laughs> it's not important. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was I was just thinking, um, 
how important it is for um, to enter into their world. I was three weeks ago. I was out up at the kid's house, uh, Matt's house, in high desert, and um, Evan, one of our younger grandsons, had the tennis racket out, and so we were playing, just batting the tennis ball back and forth. I called it driveway tennis or obstacle tennis because when you're playing tennis. There you have to you have to have a basketball hoop. There you have to have a, a skateboard ramp and then a parked car. And the whole idea is just let the ball keep bouncing. And so we couldn't get past six. And I jumped for it, went down, ripped my hand apart, broke my glasses. I'm bleeding up profusely. And I thought, ah, I entered their world. But I realized at 75, <laughs> you got to use your brains a little bit better and figure out. Um, you know how important it is to enter that specific part of their world, but to enter in with them is uh, is important. Yeah. We are uh, doing another uh, Legacy Grandparenting Summit this year. It's going to be in Birmingham, and uh, it's going to have another great lineup of speakers and uh, musical guests, including uh, John Stone Street will be with us. He'll be speaking to a lot of those uh, cultural issues. Kevin Harper, who's uh, one of the pioneers of of grandparenting ministry is going to be with us. Reggie Joyner from Orange. We'll explain Orange later. Kara Powell, Ken Davis, Valerie Bell, Fernando Ortega, Scott Wesley Brown, the Isaacs. And uh, we'd love to have uh, everybody listening to this podcast come and be with us. You don't have to go to Birmingham. Larry, Larry, I'd like to go. Are you going to go? I'm going to try to be there. Yeah, yeah, All it's right, it's, uh, it's it's going to be a, another great <laughs> conference, um, and it's going to be not only in Birmingham, but at uh, simulcast locations all over the country. All the information is on our LegacyCoalition.com website, and you can register now. Um, Legacy or <laughs> Legacy, Larry, any uh, news uh, from the uh, Legacy Coalition that needs to be shared here before we uh, wrap things up? Well, we're continuing to add simulcast sites. So if you sign up and there's a site close to you, well, good. But if there's not one close to you, there very well could be. So keep checking back. We are signing up uh, new locations uh, almost weekly, and we expect to have quite a bit more uh, through the months of May and June. And, uh, and then in July and August, there will be a big push to get people to register. And like you said, we'd love to have everybody join us. Get the word out. Invite some others to come with yeah, you. Yeah, it's, it's looking good. Well, that wraps up uh, Legacy, uh, Legacy Grandparenting, which is the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. Until next time, this is Wayne Rice, Larry Fowler, and John Colomb saying so long and praying that you have a great week of intentional Christian grandparenting.